From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will provide insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Pardon and Forgiveness. The text is found in Psalm 103, verse 9. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He will chide sometimes or he would not be a wise father for such poor, erring children as we are. His chiding is very painful to those who are true, because they feel how sadly they deserve it, and how wrong it is on their part to grieve him. We know what this chiding means, and we bow before the Lord, mourning that we should cause him to be angry with us. But what a comfort we find in these lines, not always will he chide. If we repent and turn to Him with hearts broken for sin and broken from sin, He will smile upon us at once. It is no pleasure to Him to turn a frowning face toward those whom He loves with all His heart. It is His joy that our joy should be full. Come, let us seek His face. There is no reason for despair, nor even for despondency. Let us love a chiding God. Before long we shall sing... Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Be gone, ye dark forebodings, ye ravens of the soul. Come in, ye humble hopes and grateful memories, ye doves of the heart. He who pardoned us long ago as a judge will again forgive us as a father, and we shall rejoice in his sweet, unchanging love.
as God's people prepare to enter into the Christmas season, they meet with much that distracts and detracts from what should be the main focus of this joyous time of year, the incarnation of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Too often, the demands of holiday traditions and the increasing secularization of this special time obscure the glad news of the angels. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, let the Bible speak is happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 Christmas devotions, each including a short scripture reading and a concluding portion that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. By phone, call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may write Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas today. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns will conclude this message on the theme, The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unknown Feast. 
As we've mentioned all along, John chapter 5 contains one of the greatest revelations of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ to be found in the Gospels. There are three events in the chapter through which Christ revealed his glory. The first is his healings, demonstrated in the restoring of the impotent man. The second event involves the hatred of the Jews, provoked by his healing on the Sabbath and claiming equality with God to command what could be done on the Sabbath. The third event was the honor Christ claimed for himself on the basis of his complete unity with the Father, including the power to give life to the dead by the mere expression of his will. Let us rejoice that Christ is still raising the dead through the salvation of their souls. God the Father has committed all judgment to the Son, and it is through Christ alone that men can come to God. Now Dr. Cairns brings the final portion of the second message on the theme, The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unknown Feast. Nobody in all of Scripture other than Jesus Christ could do a miracle by the mere authority and power of His own will. That belongs uniquely to God. Do you notice how the Lord Jesus emphasizes it? Do you remember when we looked at Matthew 8, the leper came and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What did Jesus do? He said, I will be clean. And like that, he was clean. Merely by the power and the exercise of his will, by the naked authority of his word, the work was done giving life to the dead then by his own will. That's the mark of God. Verse 22, the judgment of men and the administration of the kingdom. The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. I take judgment there both in the narrower and the broader senses. The idea of judgment as we normally conceive it and the idea of uh, the administration of the kingdom of God. It's in the hand of Christ. These things belong to the Son as the mediator, as the executor of the Godhead. Verse 23, what a statement. He's worthy of the same honor as the Father, that men, all men, should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now, let's understand this, for this is one of the most dramatic and far-reaching statements the Lord Jesus Christ ever made. This is a statement of equality. Such equality that he's saying, I am worthy of the very same honor that you give to God. You worship God, you worship me. And then he goes even further, and he said, if you do not honor me, you cannot honor God. Let's learn that. There's no such thing in this New Testament of of mine as this modern rubbish, this heretical nonsense that even Christians are spouting nowadays that somehow we get together all people of faith. Uh, They're even bringing out biological or biochemical or some other sort of uh, reasoning behind this. There's now supposed to be a God gene in your brain. Uh, Let me back off for a minute. 
The more people get to understand about the human brain, the more they'll understand it can't function right unless it does acknowledge the God who created it. Not just a God gene, every gene in your whole system is a God gene. But the notion that we can, we are fulfilling our destiny. As long as we believe in some God, it might be the conception, pantheistic conception of the Buddhists. It might be the God of Islam. It may be the God of the Jews. It may be the religion of somebody else. And somehow or other it'll all work out well in the end. We're all people of faith. My friend, let me tell you, if you do not honor Jesus Christ, not honor God. That's not the opinion merely of some Bible-thumping fundamentalist. And I'm glad to be that. That's the statement of Jesus Christ. And the importance of acknowledging it, it comes out in verses 24 to 26, that he has all power to save. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Notice what he says. He, says, he starts this. This is one of his verily, verilies. Again, let me mention a rabbit trail here without running up it. Verily, verily. That's one thing that modern translation should keep. Even the New King James says, most assuredly. Yuck. That's all I can say. Most assuredly. No doubt. But you see, nobody in the New Testament says verily, verily, except Jesus Christ. Nobody. There are other people who would say verily, truly. Amen. In other words, they're saying, I affirm this. Assuredly, I'm saying this. But verily, verily is uniquely the formula of Jesus Christ. And the importance of the formula comes up when you come to uh, Revelation chapter 3. If my memory is right about verse 14. When he says, I am the Amen. I'd be quite happily happy to have this translated, Amen, Amen. That's the word. What is the name of Jesus Christ? I am the Amen. When he introduces some great spiritual truth, he's doing so on his own authority. He's saying, Amen, Amen. What does it remind you of? What Paul writes to the Hebrews, God swore by himself because he could swear by none greater. That's what the Lord Jesus is doing here. That's what he's doing here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That's not the first or second resurrection. That's not the resurrection at the end of time. He's saying the hour has arrived. Dead people are hearing my voice. Thank God that's still true. I was dead. 
But I heard the voice of Jesus command me to rise from the dead. And in giving the command, he gave the life. Every Christian here is a testimony that the dead have heard the voice, and they that hear shall live. Verse 26, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. It's a very deep text without trying to pursue it. At the very least, what it is saying is that as the Father has the power to originate life in the dead, so the Son, as the mediator, as the Savior, he has the power given him in himself to raise the dead. This is a divine honor, a divine prerogative. Then 28, 29... He will raise the dead physically and he will judge them righteously. Not only does he raise the spiritually dead, he will raise the physically dead. And as the Father hath committed all judgment to him, he will judge them for heaven or for hell. I said John 5 records one of the deepest and fullest Revelations of Christ, one of the deepest and fullest offenses that he ever gave of his own person and work. Verse 35 tells me clearly that this truth is necessary unto salvation. 36 and 37 make it clear that it's amply testified by the Father. Verse 40, and then starting at 46 into 47, make it clear that this is the truth that's set forth in all of Scripture. All this is objectively true, but now let me finish on a very personal and subjective note. Look at verse 38. Ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. If the word of God abides in you, you will receive Christ. Look at verse 42. I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. If the love of God is in us, we will receive Jesus Christ. Verse 43. If we do not receive Jesus Christ, we will receive and believe a lie. And I believe the lie there includes even Antichrist himself. A lie that will damn our souls eternally. I want you to take this very personally. Has the Word of God ever entered your heart? Has the love of God ever gripped your soul? Because if it has, you have received Christ and do receive Him. And if you don't have Christ, neither the Word nor God's love abides within you, and you're wide open to the damning lie of Satan. Why would men whose need is just as great as the man who lay at the pool of Bethesda, why would they spurn their deliverer? Remember last week, I spent some time in this, I've just mentioned it this morning, where Jesus said to this man, Are you willing to be made whole? The full import of that question is really, 
Are you willing to be whole on my terms? Are you willing to be made right on my terms? Why would people say no? It's only one reason. That is, they're not willing for Christ's terms. That's why verse 44 says, How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? You see, the people who won't have Christ are so taken up with this world and the things and the people of this world that they prefer the honor of the world to the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Are you willing? If you're not saved this morning, are you willing to be saved on his terms? That's the question. I hope and pray that what Jesus said in verse 40 of the Jews, he will never have to say of any person here. I think there are people here, and if life were to end today, this is what he would have to say about you. But it's not too late to be saved. He says in verse 40, Ye will not come to me. You are not willing to come to me that you might have life. People write all sorts of fancy little messages on their gravestones and on the gravestones of loved ones. And of course the rock, just as pen and paper refuses nothing but there are some people and their true epitaph is that which God writes there's many a soul like you who has heard this book expounded and heard this gospel explained and heard the invitations of the Savior knowing full well the theory and the truth knowing full well the doctrine of the gospel, have gone out into eternity and over their souls and over their graves, God writes, not willing to come to me. Not willing to come to me. I pray, God, that I'd give you willingness for Christ. A willing heart to say, Lord, I am as needy as that poor man at the pool of Bethesda. I'm as helpless and as hopeless. Lord, I want Christ on his terms. Make me whole. And yes, I will take up not only my bed, but my cross. And I will, by grace, follow Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let us all pray. Father, bless thy word. Write it upon our hearts. Use it to the saving of the lost. Use it to the blessing and the building up of the people of God. We thank thee that we have a great Christ, a glorious Redeemer a marvelous Savior, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father.
and the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us. Help us to make much of Christ. And as we leave this house, to be living vital witnesses unto him. Make this Sabbath day a blessing to all of us gathered here, and in thy will meet with us again in the evening service, that we will see much of the grace of God in Christ. Part is now with thy blessing, and grant that the grace, mercy, and peace of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit may be our abiding portion today and evermore. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 